12, Hebrews chapter 12. I did say that we would uh, get back here, and I'm glad we have opportunity to do that this evening. Hebrews chapter 12, where God tells Christians to run. And uh, um, it has been a great blessing to see really Hebrews 10, 11, and the beginning of chapter 12, uh, in light of that, uh, that great race that God has given us to run. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our great example, Jesus Christ, uh, teaches us, uh, but God reminds us in verse 1, we've got a race to run. And we want to learn more about that uh, this evening, and Hebrews 11 is going to be our focus. So let's pray and ask God to help us. Lord, we are uh, thankful that uh, tonight we've got uh, examples before us that uh, teach us that the race can be run and it needs to be run. And they tell us how to run. And I pray that uh, Hebrews 11 and the lessons found in that chapter would encourage our hearts in running for God. May the revival meetings and the decisions made, and maybe even the decisions made over the last week in regular services, may these uh, things continue in our life because we're learning to run and to run effectively. And I will thank you for what you'll do and how you'll help us tonight. Please give us understanding and, and uh, wisdom from your eternal word. And may I say what needs to be said in a right way for your glory and for the help of your people, in Jesus' name, amen. A parable is told of a farmer, a farmer who owned an old mule, and this mule fell into an open well shaft. Well, after carefully assessing the situation, the farmer decided neither the mule nor the well were worth saving. So, he called his neighbors together to help haul dirt in, and they were going to bury the old mule in the well. Uh, by the way, I, I take it, it must have happened a number of years ago uh, because probably would have had a great outcry and the guy would have been, you know, just killed or something to that effect in our day. But anyway, the neighbors loaded their trucks with dirt. They drove to the shaft where a few helpful friends began shoveling dirt into the hole. Well, as you might imagine, as this started, the mule became hysterical. It was clear he was coming to his end and he realized that. And as the dirt fell on his back, he would shake it off and it would fall below him. And it occurred to him as this began to happen that he could stay alive if he would shake it off and step up. And so he did. Shovelful after shovelful, shake it off, step up, he kept saying to himself. Shake it off, step up. The workers started to notice this and they were encouraged. As he inched his way up, before long, the old mule stepped triumphantly out of the hole, now filled with dirt, intended to end his life. The dirt he thought would bury him turned out to be a blessing. You realize that the race that we have to run for God, speak, spoken of in Hebrews 12, is a little like that. It's learning in the rough times, the tempting times, the hard patches of the race, because there are hard patches. It's learning to shake it off and step up. But how, you ask? Well, I'm glad you've asked, you asked that question because that question is answered in numerous ways in the passage before us. Not just in Hebrews 12, it is answered there, but it's answered in Hebrews chapter 10 as we saw five different ways in which you can find help in things that will help you in this race of life. And uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is a tremendous chapter, the entire chapter about people who ran and who in essence shook it off and stepped up and who found that God helps when we take the steps that we need to in life. And so 
Uh, let's just dig into Hebrews chapter 11 this e evening and see people who did that very thing. They shook it off and they stepped up. And we can learn a lot from them. Notice a few words, the first few words, though, chapter 12. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. This is an interesting phrase that kind of introduces it in an section and kind of leads us into, or doesn't kind of, it does lead us into this command to run the race for God. Uh, it points us back to the verses previous. Some people, though, believe that chap chapter 12 and verse 1 in that first phrase is actually that there are people in heaven who are watching us run the race, that there are witnesses that we need to live right and, and walk right and run the race because there are witnesses watching us. Now, let me tell you something. That is just creepy. I'm sorry. It's just creepy to think that, I don't know, that, that my mom is watching me run the race. That, that's just, that's just, that's, that's creepy. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't know how else to put it. Um, I don't know where someone gets the idea that the witnesses, that there are people actually watching us run the race today. I, I mean, if, if that is the case, when and where are they watching us? There's a lot of things. I don't know. If I, <laughs> Ooh, okay, I don't really like that idea. Uh, now, whether, it's, whether these people, some of these writers are, are right or not, uh, it seems to me that Hebrews chapter 11 is pointing back to chapter, to, or Hebrews 12, I'm sorry, in that first phrase, is pointing back to chapter 11. And, and God is telling us here that there are a whole slew of witnesses that have lived their lives and been successful in running. And they are witnesses to us today to tell us, hey, you can run. There's a great cloud of witnesses who uh, testify that you can run the race, and they all testified by their life in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, so if you don't know my assessment of the first phrase in chapter 12, I don't believe at all it's talking about people watching us as we're living our daily lives, because I think they have a lot better things to do, and the, the, by far the better thing to do would be to sit at the feet of Jesus their Lord and Savior, whom they see face to face. Um, and and that's, what, that's what I'm interested in doing, at least, at least for a great while when I get to heaven. Uh, but uh, what God has for us in chapter 11 really is wonderful. So um, I have just a, a number of things. Here's what I found. As I started to read through chapter 11 of Hebrews, just about every time I'd read through the chapter, I, there, were more, there were more points. There were more things to be gleaned from these people who ran. You can, you can share them or you can just fight over, oh, look, he's just going to do it. I'm doing it myself. No one's going to help me. Yeah, all right. Thank you, Luke, and thank you, Joel, for your help. Truly young men helping us this evening. All right. <laughs> there you go. And, um, and it, it is, um, quite honestly, if you read through this chapter, you might come up with far more than we're going to share with you. Um, what do I have, 14? 14, 14 things? Yeah, look at, do you know your Roman numerals? All right, there you go. 14 things that I'm going to get done someday. 40 verses, 14 things. Who knows, maybe I'll study some more this week and I'll add to the list. But um, there are just... Uh, some practical things to be learned. The first few points we're going to make are based really on the whole chapter. So it's just us here this evening. And, um, and let me just try to share with you um, a number of principles. Now you say, Pastor, 14 things, how can I ever be victorious? Well, I, I think you'll understand that not all 14 things necessarily you have to do in order to run the race. Um, and we're going to make a point in a few moments that I think maybe will clarify um, something that you need to know and understand about running the race for God. Um, in fact, it's a point that we get from the whole of chapter 11. So let's start, and let me just share the first truth. All right, this is profound. I know it's just going to shock you this evening, but here's the truth. And it's taught from Hebrews 11, verse 4, and all the way to chapter 12, and it's this. Anyone 
can run. Anyone can run. These witnesses remind us that anyone can run. Now, they exemplify some things by their actions, and we'll dig further into their actions. But have you ever said something like this? Well, I just can't handle it. I, I can't take any more of this. I'm, I'm tired. I've been trying. And it seems like every time I try, I fail in running the Christian life. Have, have you ever been there? Uh, maybe you haven't used that line, but maybe you've said something like this. Well, I've blown it so many times. And I don't know, I mean, it seems like in revivals, I get things right with God, and then uh, you know, a month or two later, I'm back to doing things I used to be doing. And it seems like I go from revival to revival. And is running really a possible thing? And here's what this chapter tells us. Anyone can run. So let's consider a couple. Verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. All right. Noah was all alone. Yeah, you say, I just don't have anyone at work to encourage me. Understand. Noah didn't have many people to encourage him. Wickedness was great in the earth, so great that God said, I'm going to destroy it. So can I say something? You know, we look at our day. Don't, don't, you, don't you say, wow, wickedness is really making some inroads. It was, it's not as bad as it was in Noah's day. The thought and the intent of the heart of God of people in Noah's day was only evil continually. And Noah stood alone. And he stood alone, Christian, for a hundred years. That's a long time. So he reminds us, look, anyone can run. You're all alone, you can do it. Noah did right, and so can you. Uh, what about, I, I failed the race so many times. Well, Abraham lied about his wife. He let her go to a pagan king knowing she might end up as part of his harem. He, he blew it by going into a woman who, that wasn't his wife and having a child by her. Now, how many times does a guy have to blow it in order to be a failure forever or a loser? Yet here he is in verse 8 and verse 17, twice mentioned for his faith. So he shook himself off. He stepped up when it mattered. A harlot ran. God could never use a harlot. He did. And she won. Men, women, old, young, rich, poor, intelligent, ignorant. Hebrews 11 is all about that. Everyone can run and win. Second truth about this whole chapter is everyone's race is different. Everyone's race is different. And this is the point that I wanted to bring out, or I, I was just kind of mentioning or in, inferring or whatever, talking about a few moments ago. In contemplating principles to help us be doers of the word or to run the race, however you want to describe it, because the Bible describes it in many different ways. But as we use terms and as we think about that, I've often wondered to myself, why isn't there a specific list? Why don't we have like a list of, Seven things you can do that will guarantee victory in your life. And Hebrews 11, I think, answers that. You see, everyone's race is different. All right. Show me anyone whose race was the same in, the, in Hebrews 11. Every one of these people ran but everyone faced different things and had different obstacles and had different battles and had uh, different things in their race they had to overcome and they had to face. And they're reminders to us. So when I, when I contemplate, you know, why doesn't God just give us like five steps or seven, three steps? Because, you know, independent Baptist preachers, that's all we know to do, you know? Uh, why doesn't God just give us three things? Why doesn't God just give us 10 things? Why doesn't he give us, you know, 15 things? Why doesn't he give us 14 points? Uh, and, and here's the reason why. 
because five points or three points or 14 points wouldn't do it. Because everyone's race is different. And everyone's struggles are different. And so, although there are going to be principles we'll lay out in chapter 12 as we get to the, if you would, the end of the, end of the race stuff, and although there are things that we can give that overall will help us, if you would, to battle, like the matter of faith, and we're going to see in Hebrews 11, surprise, surprise, the fact is, everyone's race is different, and so it would be impossible and God knew to give us uh, certain principles that we could always follow exactly. And if we would do that, we will be running and running effectively. Now, I, I know in, in our day, everyone has, you know, there's a pair of gloves that one size fits all, one bathrobe, one size fits all. Um, now they've changed it so they don't get sued. One size fits most, you know, um, and, and those kind of things. But uh, here, here's the truth. It, it, that, that may be true for a pair of gloves or for a bathrobe, but it's not in the race because your race is different than mine. Uh, by the way, there's another reason why one-size-fits-all type of list isn't given and won't work. And it's this, because everyone has differing personalities. So that um, in my race... There may be difficulties that are the same as in your race, but you and I are different. Brother Slusser and I are different. Now, his wife is glad about that, I'm sure, okay? And my wife is glad about that as well. Um, and maybe they wish sometimes that there would be some things that they would, well, no, she would never wish there's anything that I had that you would, you would have, all right? But here's the, we're, we're different people. So here's the fact that if Brother Slusser and I had the same battle that we were going through in order to run the race, it's not going to be the same answer always. Because we have different personalities. We respond to things differently. We think differently. And so God, knowing that, understood that you can't just give someone a list of three things. You can't give someone a, a list of, of, of four things that will always bring you victory because uh, it may not necessarily. There isn't one formula that, that will fit every struggle for every runner. You know, as a young, as a young man majoring in Bible college, in, in Bible, in college, sorry, I guess, I sat through a class for preacher boys. That was a requirement, and, uh, and it was a good class. Quite honestly, whenever a preacher would come and speak during the, uh, a week at, uh, at college, he would speak to the preacher boys as well in the preacher boys class. Now, a lot of times we got some great wisdom for ministry. Because those pastors would get up and they would say, hey, look, uh, here are some things that uh, I've learned in ministry. And you might want to write some of these things down. They'll be a great help to you because you'll need them for, for, for life. Others would say, well, you know, there's some things I learned you shouldn't do. I don't know, whatever may be the case. Sometimes they would just preach a message from a passage of Scripture that was a blessing to them or, or just give some advice on the matter of preaching. But you know, there were some guys who came in and acted like, and, and I want to be careful, but they acted like they had it all together and they, they would say something like this. Well, listen, bless God, you, need, you have to have this book if you're going to be successful in the ministry. And uh, sometimes they'd have a list of a number of books that no preacher can, can live without. Well, you know, you're a young guy. You hear this guy say you've got to have these books, so you know what you would do. You'd go out. Brother Umstead, did you ever have that? You'd go out and you'd get that book because, man, that's big. I have some of those books in my office. I opened them, I think, when I first bought them, and I haven't looked at them since. All right, all right why? Because... Truth is, we're different people. Um, I've had preachers tell me, you've got to have this commentary. This commentary will work. And I'll get that commentary, and I'll look at it, and I'll say, I have no idea what that guy's saying. And then I'll get another commentary that guy, that guy would never have anything to do with, and I'll read it, and I'll say, wow, this guy really connects with me. The reason why is because we're different people. So what works for someone won't necessarily work for someone else all the time, every time. And 
that is one of the, if you would, sometimes it's a little bit frustrating as a pastor because I would like to be able to say, let me tell you, there are just, really, you could just follow this through and there are just four things that you can do and you will always win the victory. But because we have different personalities, because we're different people, because men and women think differently, surprise, um, there are things that may fit for some and don't fit for others. And uh, we have to learn that. I, I, I went to a, a, a pastor's conference. They had a guy speaking to youth pastors. And his, his main thrust during the whole time was, as, as a youth pastor, because he's a youth pastor, he said, I prayed that God would give me a big house. Kid you not. Because I knew I could not minister to young people unless I had a big house. And I'm thinking, really? You have to have a big house to be a youth pastor. His idea was, you got to have the youth over to your home all the time. So I asked God for a big house, and he gave me one. We lived in a house that was 825 square feet. If you don't know, that's small. So I realized that I was doomed to be a rotten youth pastor. But, but here's the, this, this guy had a, a concept about youth ministry that isn't found in the Bible. But those are the kind of things that I, I think sometimes discourage people because we preach like this is totally the answer. Now, if it's in the Bible and God says to do it, then we better do it. But let's understand that everyone's race is different. And Hebrews 11, I, we, we haven't read about them, but I think many of you know, you've read through the chapter before. These people were all different. They all had different battles. They all had different personalities. But every one of them ran and ran well. And God gives them as an example to us to learn from. And that's why when I t say there's 14 things, it doesn't mean you have to do all 14 things in order to be victorious. But what you can learn from these is you can pick and find things from these people that will help you in your battle to run the race for God. So everyone has different things. And what's encouraging is that help's available for all different people, for all different personalities, help's available. Dig in. Go to the Old Testament. Look at the Old Testament saints. Uh, look for some that have your personality. And see what they did. And you, you'll be able to find a lot. Read through Hebrews chapter 11. All right, third overall truth. A victorious run is made up of individual battles. A victorious run is made up of individual battles. I'm going to put myself on the spot. I didn't ask him. <clears throat> Brother Flint. Is the race not made up of a number of battles? So you got a certain hill here. You got a certain downhill maybe. You got a certain area. You know it's going to be kind of tough, maybe a weakness or whatever. I don't know. But when you're running, a victorious run is made up of individual battles. And do you know what Hebrews 11 tells us? That's true. We don't have the story of someone's whole life and they walk by faith. We have, the story, we have individual events in the life of people. Abraham, Noah, Moses. Some are mentioned two or three times. Some are mentioned one time. Some we have who died for their faith. Some who lived uh, and survived through it. Uh, some people who, who things went well for. Some people who things didn't go well for. And all of these people... Uh, were, were people who at certain times faced battles, and those are the battles talked about in Hebrews 11, but their whole life, they weren't perfect, which is also in, encouraging to know. But a victorious run is made up of a Christian facing individual battles that come in life. Now, there's a lot of points we can make here, but one is failure doesn't mean the end. So look, you made a decision you're going to do something because of the, the revival meetings. You say, I've already blown it. Well, first you can get back up and go because Abraham and, the other, and many other people in, in the book of Hebrews and the chapter of Hebrews 11 remind us of that truth. But there's also the fact that, you know, Abraham did have 
times where he blew it, but Abraham had times where he really ran well. So the truth is that if, if the battle, if the race to be run is made up of numerous battles or individual battles, then right now I can start running. And that's encouraging to me. And that if I've already fallen, I can get back up and I can start again. Because the race isn't over until one of two things. Come on. Uh, it, they all both start with H, but you're, 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 we're close. Oh, so much for preaching Hebrews chapter 10. I'll tell you. All right. Holiness or heaven. Thank you very much. You got to have the alliteration. No, or you, had, you had that idea. But here's, here's the fact. Until we get there, um, you can get back up and go. And, uh, and you, can, you can run this week. And if you didn't run yesterday, you can run today. And, and that, to me, is actually uh, just wonderfully refreshing and encouraging. Because if, if in yesterday's run, I fell, or I, I, got, I quit, or my body said no, you know what? Every day is a different day. And, and, and tomorrow is another day. You know, tomorrow is another day. Tomorrow is another day. And there will be a race to run tomorrow. You could do it. A victorious run is made up of individual battles. Fourth truth, based on the whole passage, and this gets to probably one of the things that you're going to need to do, determine the promise or the command. You say, is that one of the things in the list? Well, I'll explain it in just a moment. Determine the promise or the command. All right, we said these witnesses all had different paths to take. They had different races to run. They had different obstacles that they had to face. They had different things that God wanted from them. But every one of these people, every one of them knew what God wanted. When you talk about faith, and we're going to see that in Hebrews, I told you, we'll get there, all right? When you talk about faith in Hebrews chapter 11, it's faith in God, but you got to know what God expects. So if you look at... Um, Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. All right, why would he offer up Isaac? Because God's word told him, because God told him, Abraham, that's your race right now. Here's what you're supposed to do. Now, if you are going to be successful in running, without a doubt, you're going to have to dig. We, we cannot, you cannot minimize regular time reading the word daily. I can't, you, you, you could never, you could never overemphasize how important it is for you to read the Bible every day. A number of reasons. If faith is part of the, faith comes by hearing and hearing by, all right, so you got to be in the word just from that standpoint if you're going to have faith. You got to be in the word of God. But if you're going to run, you got to know where you're running. You got to know what, 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 is, what has to happen next? Where am I supposed to go? Hey, uh, the revival was good at pointing out um, <laughs> at pointing out hurdles in the race. So that's a good starting point. But here's the question. What does God say about those things? So uh, Wednesday night, preached on the home. You say, oh, my home isn't what it's supposed to be. Okay, what is your home supposed to be? Well, I don't know. Uh, well, then get in the Bible because God is the one who established the home and he tells you what the home is supposed to be. Look, dig, get in the book. You got to determine what your run is. Okay, if holiness is the goal, holiness is the, the ultimate goal. Holiness or heaven. We're going to remember that. Let's all say it together. Holiness or heaven to the end. All right, that's the race. All right, that's the overall race. But in order to get there, i got to have a right home. But here's the thing. I can say, well, things aren't right in my home. But that does, absolutely, that does very little good unless I dig in and find what the Bible says about the home and how to get going. 
and find out what God says. Because that, if God brought that up, that is, that is where you're supposed to be running right now. If you'd say, well, my problem isn't, uh, isn't home, everything's fine in our home, everything's going real well in our home, in fact. Okay, there's something that you, you got to run in, in some area. And so, hey, determine the promise or the command and what God says about it in order to run well. Um, every one of these people knew what expectations God had for them. And you know, other, some failed because they forgot what God told them in Scripture. And others were successful because they saw it and they just, they did it because this is what God wants from me. And you know what? We can illustrate that by verse 4. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and he, by it he being dead yet speaketh. You say, well, well what does this te teach? All right. Two brothers came to God with an offering, right? One came with the fruit of the ground, and the other with the blood sacrifice for the lamb. One, or who was accepted? Hello, we just read the verse. Abel was accepted. Who was rejected? Someone ran well, someone didn't. Both knew what God wanted. Both knew what God wanted. God doesn't hold someone accountable for something that they have no concept of. Both knew what God wanted. Cain brought something to God, but he didn't bring what God told him. Do you know why some people fail to please God and run well? Because they run according to their own plan and their own ideas and their own ways, and they haven't consulted God. Can we make it that simple? It's as simple as, have you consulted God about this? Well, he, he preached on, on Friday and gave us uh, a, number of, a number of things that, uh, in First in Peter that, uh, wow, need, need to do. And I found that I'm, I'm not humble. I'm not whatever. Okay. If you're going to run well, you, you can't run. You can't just start saying, I'm, well, this is what I'm going to do. It needs to be, what does God say? How do I develop humility and how do I put down pride? And, and here's the truth. That would make a great study for you. If that's an, a, a battle in your life, you need to grasp what the Bible says about it. You've heard me say this and it's so true. I... I have no problem with someone who reads through the Bible in a year. I do have a problem with someone who reads through the Bible in a year who has a bunch of things in their life that need to change, and they aren't changing because all they're doing is reading through the Bible in a year. You would have a far better relationship with God if you would stop reading the Bible through in a year and you would, you would learn what the Bible says about the areas you need to run in and you haven't been running. And I am not trying to downplay reading through the Bible. There is great value in it. But don't let it be an excuse for like, I've fulfilled that duty, let me get it to the next thing. Because the purpose of reading the Bible is to let the Bible change you. And the best way to let it change you is to get in the Bible and say, okay, what does God want me to do in order to run this area? And run it well. Look, if you've fallen in the matter of humility, and, and by the way, there's probably very few that haven't, then that's a great matter of study. So you can find out what God wants for you, and so you can run. So determine the promise or the command, because you can't run unless you know what to do to face the obstacle and overcome it for the glory of God. And Cain came his own way. Abel said, this is what God expects. This is what I'm going to do. And one was accepted, one wasn't. They both made sacrifice. They both sacrificed. But only one did it God's way. And 
there's another reason why I, I, I get concerned when we talk about, well, here's the steps for victory. Sometimes people follow those steps and they do it in their own strength. And when they do it in their own strength, they haven't pleased God and they're not running well. Running well is finding out what God says and then submitting to it by faith. I'm going to believe what God has said no matter what I feel about this. I'm going to believe what God has said. Cain and Abel both had the opportunity to choose to do what God had said. And one said, I'm going to do it my way. The other said, I'm going to do it God's way. And the only one God was pleased with, because they both brought sacrifice, the only one God was pleased with was the one who said, I'm going to do it God's way. And he's listed in the hall of faith, and he being dead, he speaks today, and he says, listen to what God has said. Find out what God has said, listen to it, follow it. No matter what you think. Well, this is ridiculous. Why can't I bring my own offering? Why can't I do it this way? Why can't I? Because, as, as a parent, because I said so, and that would be God. So let him speak, and let him be the authority. Find out what he said. I want to encourage some of you, in, as, as best I can tonight, to go back to the areas that were spoken about where God spoke to your heart during the revival meeting. And, and this week, put some of your devotional time in reading the Word of God, in reading passages that deal with the sin or area that you've been tripped up in your race. And ask God to help you to see from the Bible what you need to do. And then the next point, number five, whole passage again. Faith is the primary need upon which victory rests. But without faith, we always quote this one, right? But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Um, here's, here's the thing. You don't believe God, you, you are not running, you can't run. Can't run. Cannot run without believing God. Um, again, the point is, some people run, but they run in their own strength and with confidence in their strength, their schemes, their plans, and they're not running well, and they're not pleasing God. Do you know this is taught in numerous places? Jesus talked about it in John chapter 15. He says, um, he said, abide in me. He talks about abiding in the vine. He said in that passage, for without me, you can do nothing. Now, that's, that sounds ridiculous because a lot of people do things without God. The point Jesus was making was there's nothing you can do that pleases God without God unless you're abiding in him, unless you're receiving nourishment from the vine. So I need God. I need to believe what he has said. I need to act upon what he said, and I need to look to him for my strength, and I need to understand that I cannot run without him, and I just got to be willing to say, all right, God, whatever you have said, my faith is in you, and I will do it. And if I do things with God's strength and in, with faith in him and what he said, then I'm running well, no matter what anyone thinks about how I'm running. And by the way, some people might not be happy with the way you're running. But that's all right. All that matters, here's the truth, all that matters is, is whether God is pleased with your race or not. Some people might be impressed with folks running, run, as far as they're concerned, they're running the race. Man, look at that guy run. He is so faithful. And God might be saying, he's been doing it in his own strength. I'm not happy with him. And there may be some guy stumbling along that if we saw him, we'd say, oh, man, look at him. He's having a rough time. And that guy is just step by step saying, okay, God, I, I don't know what to do next, but whatever you tell me, I'll do it. And, and God says, what a runner. Look at that guy go. Which are you? I've got to be one who just, who says, God has said it, 
I will believe it. I will act upon it because God has said it, and that's what God longs for from my life. Um, we mentioned the one-size-fits-all mentality, um, and, and I, I said that a few points back. But if you want a simple list of things you can do in order to assure victory, it's, it's really going to be impossible because the race requires that I just believe God. And, and here's another reason why we don't have a process. Because if we had a process, we wouldn't have to believe God. We would, we, come on, our human nature is we would believe the process. I'm following the five steps. I'm a five-pointer. Oh, I had to bring Calvinism into it, didn't I, Brother Umstead? All right. I'm a five-point. Um, yeah, I'm a tulip. Oh, I'm not. Okay. But, uh, you know, I got my five points. I got them all laid out. And, I, man, am I running. And, and that's, not, that's not how it happens. How it happens is, here's what God has said. I don't want to do this, but that's what God said, and I'm going to believe God. And I'm going to ask him for help because, because not only do I not want to do it because my flesh says no, but... Um, as well, I don't understand how this could ever happen, but Lord, if you will give me the strength, I would just do it. And when you step out that way in faith in God, no matter how impressive your run is, God is impressed. And how do you do it? Look in verse 6 again. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So what do you, what do you have to believe? If you want to say there's a, two, a process, there's two steps. And this is interesting because it's not... Find out what the Bible says and do it. What, what, what are the two steps of faith? Okay, first, believe that God exists. I can't see him, but the foundation for successful running is predicated on faith that he exists. And then secondly, that he'll reward those who seek him. And, and here's what I said. He doesn't say he will reward those who do certain things. He rewards those who diligently seek him. Then you say, well, well, give me, give me the concept. What's, what's the concept, Pastor? Paul explained it in Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him. I want to know God. That's why I said you got to determine what God has said in his word. How, how do you, you know, and, and you, you got to dig into the word. Well, who's going to dig into the word? Someone who believes there's a God that he rewards those who diligently seek him and who do it, who seek him. Now, Lord, I, this week I want to run in this area and be successful. Lord, this week I want to know you. And if your heart's desire is in knowing God, then you're going to deal with pride. You're going to deal with family problems. You're going to deal with laziness. You're going to deal with bitterness or hatred or anger because you believe there's a God and you're diligently seeking That's what Hebrews 11 teaches us. These people diligently sought God. I want him. And they won. Now, I want to overcome this. No, I want God. I want to know him. And I, I'm going to believe that, that he is and that he will reward me if I diligently seek him, and that's what I'm going to do this week. Um, and that's a, a great goal. In fact, the next point, be committed to the pursuit of that goal, of this goal, of the goal. Be committed to the pursuit of the goal. And what is the goal? Diligently seek him. Put that, write that somewhere on your paper. Diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. Uh, the word used there uh, is compound. It's compound in the Greek. No, you'd just love to hear that. It's made up of two words, out to seek. The reward comes to those who seek him out. 
Um, do you know one of the definitions, part of the definition was to investigate. Are you a passive Christian or are you investigating what God wants you to do? And are you investigating who God is so you can better run and please him? There's another word that was found in the definition, to crave. That is a challenging word. Do I crave God? Do I follow him like someone is craving water, has been working in intense heat, haven't had anything to drink, and they come in and they're just parched, and they just, first say, I have got to get some water, you know, and, and their, their, their mate says, hey, I need you to do this. No, I'm getting a drink. Because that's what I need right now. Um, do, you, do you crave him? Whatever it costs, I just want to know him. Someone who has that kind of heart will do anything he says. So, someone who has that heart is going to run well. Um, that's the person who runs well. Be committed to pursuit of the goal. I am going to seek God out. I'm going to investigate him. I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out what he wants. I'm going to do it because I love him. Um, I'll tell you, the great cloud of witnesses just uh, keep beating me over the head with things that I need. Um, number seven, know that the race will probably put you at odds with others. Do you know why? Because it's all about God. It's not about you. It's not about your family. It's not about others. It's about God. And people aren't going to like that. Do you know why? Because people want, want them, themselves to be the center of your world. Parenting. Heard some good things on that Wednesday night about parenting, about discipline. Those things are needed. They really are, and they're found in the Word of God. I just can't spank my child, someone might say. But a person who diligently is seeking God says, well, I know what God has told me, and I love God. And that's going to set them at odds with their kid, especially if the kid hasn't been disciplined. It's going to put them really at odds with their kid. Like, probably some screaming fits until you, you follow what God has said consistently until their will is broken and they start to submit. That's not easy. It's not fun. And that's why you've got to have that heart that says, whatever God says, he's the one I'm seeking. It may not go over well with your mate. It, here's, here's a missionary going to the mission field. And their, their parents keep begging them, don't go to the mission field. The race will probably put you at odds with other people. In verse 4, can I, did Abel do anything to Cain? What a rotten brother, right? Okay, you say, I, well, that's like my brother. Okay, maybe. All right, but, but think about it. Here, here's the guy, all Abel did, all Abel did was do what God told him to do. And it set him at odds with his brother to the point where his brother said, I'm going to get rid of Abel. Understand this. The, the world is not going to understand when you run and when you run well. They're not going to be happy with it. In verse 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the same in his house, and what does it say in that next phrase? We, often, we don't really focus much on it, but this is powerful. Well, well what, what was the whole ark being built doing to the lost world? It was condemning them. And no one likes that. You don't like someone telling you, you're wrong, I'm right. 
God's judgment is coming. You better do something. Um, just understand that when you run the race, people aren't necessarily going to be happy with you. Um, look, look uh, Moses, if, if, you, if most Christians talked to Moses today, they would have said, Moses, you're crazy to leave Egypt. Think about all you could do and the influence you could have as one who was brought up in Pharaoh's household. Think of what you could do for the children of Israel. If you would just follow that path under the Pharaoh, maybe you'd become the Pharaoh someday. Whoa! And if not, you still would have influence. Come on, what crazy, what crazy guy would leave Egypt to suffer affliction with the people of God? You're nuts! There would be a lot of Christians who would say, Daniel, just close the door, the windows, and pray. Don't bother facing Jerusalem like the Bible says and open your windows every day and pray like you always do. Look, just do it in private. Don't gather together at church because the government says you shouldn't. But God says you should. Understand the race is going to put you at odds with other people. And uh, faith in God will sadly make you sometimes a source of ridicule. But you need to run. And you can run. And these people say, no matter what happens, it's worth it. Run. And run for God. And we're going to look at the rest the next time we have opportunity. But um, Hebrews 11 preaches a powerful message witnesses, a great cloud of witnesses who say, you can run, get going, do it. Man, woman, child, old man, you can run. So do it for God's glory.